um, confetti. I'm in the middle of worship, and uh, I was utterly and completely undone. I've cried through the whole thing. I have snot hanging all over me. It's just undignified, and I don't like you people <laughs> for doing this to me. You, you need to stop doing this thing with the Holy Spirit. It's really obnoxious. Oh, God. The thing about this thought was crossing my mind as I was utterly undone. The thing about being in the spirit is Jesus is so revealed and his goodness is so obvious. All I become conscious of is what a mess I am. It's really annoying. I just see nothing but weakness, you know? And it would be really discouraging except that there's an equal sign between how thoroughly I understand my own weakness and how much he loves me. Once he said to me, you know, basically he said, I don't show you your weakness to humiliate you. I show your, you your weakness to know how much I love you. Because all that's paid for. Hallelujah. It's paid for. And I'm in the middle of this in the spirit thing that Ryan's describing. And I feel something on my head, and I open my eyes, and there's confetti all over the floor. <laughs> and I'm thinking, this is really cool. Like, somebody had the craziness to get a little bag of confetti and bring it to church and throw it in the air. Because I, of course, would never assume that God would do something like that. He's too classy for a move like that. And then I find out it's been here since New Year's, and it just chose to fall today. Well, stupid as it is, I'm going to take that as some kind of sign. And I have to tell you that um, I don't know if you guys are getting used to this or if you've hit the take it for granted stage, but the presence of God in your worship is ridiculous. It's quite overwhelming. I mean, it's really, good Lord, I'm undone again. So I really hope you appreciate that and don't take it for granted. The day you start taking it for granted is the day it will start decreasing. I'll just tell you that. In this life, I've said this to you before, but in this life, barring great tragedies, car accidents and terrible things, barring those things, we get exactly as much of God as we desire. Not a hair more. Sometimes they'll give you a hair more to increase your desire. Your religion of me has become nothing but wor words taught by men. Therefore, I will do signs and wonders, things you didn't expect. He'll do that to engender faith and to increase it. But most of the time, we experience as much of God as we genuinely hunger for. And that's what this message is about. This message is about how do we increase our hunger. And its message starts with a, a great negative that is grieving me 
genuinely grieving me at a very, very deep level. A survey has been recently done of American Christian pastors. More than 60% don't believe the Holy Spirit is real. More than 60% don't believe there is a Holy Spirit. They take the Holy Spirit as a metaphor for God's power, but not as an actual person or, or thing. Now, coincidentally, I suppose, or not, more research recently done has more than 60% of those pastors believing there is no Satan. Now, let's just, let's just pause and do the math. If you discount and decide there is no Holy Spirit, and you discount and decide there is no Satan, what is left of your religion? You get it? Like if you've dumped the power of God, if you say, well, the power of God's really not all that important, or it's mostly theoretical, but there's no hymn to call to, there's no hymn to receive, there's no hymn to have indwelling within you, then you have just cut yourself off from the power of God. And if you decide there is no enemy that we're struggling with, you have just denied the evil that is at work in this world and oftentimes in your own life. How can you survive and prosper? And I'm not talking about being rich. I'm talking about prospering as a human being, as, an, as a Christian. How can you do that if you A, don't know the enemy, and B, don't know the solution? Amen. I mean, we are, this is, this is sick. This, this grieves me beyond words. This is the state of the American church. Now, could it be, could it be that that has something to do with the state of America right now? Maybe. We are in such deep trouble. I am watching, look, I moved from Canada to the U.S. in part to get away from this. And I thought we had a number of decades and it would be okay before it slid into what I was used to. The speed of the decline in American culture is breathtaking. It is shocking how fast the decline is taking place. There is only one hope, in my opinion, having thought about it an awful lot and watched this trend. There is only one real hope, and that is for an overwhelmingly powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon this country. You see, we can't talk our way out of this problem. We can't, we can't evangelize our way out of this problem. Because, I'm getting a bit digressed from my theme, but we've got a little time. The world we live in stopped believing in truth about 60 years ago. Now it doesn't believe there is such a thing as truth. So when we come and argue with the truth, they're not listening. They go, that's good, that's your truth. I'm glad you have a truth. I have a truth too. And it's the opposite of your truth. Which is really to say, there is no truth. You with me? 
So trying to talk people into God, if, you can, if someone can talk you into your Christian faith, someone else can talk you out of it. It can't be based on an argument. It's not just reason. You can't simply reason your way into faith. Someone can talk you out of what someone else talked you into, but nobody can talk you out of your experience. Hello? What this country needs is a, an outpouring of Holy Spirit experience to where nobody can talk them out of it. I am praying for a revival amongst the young people that will take tens of millions of young people swept into the kingdom by a move of the Holy Spirit that nobody can talk them out of. And there's a desperate thing happening inside of me that's just, this has to happen. This has to happen. It has to happen. It's on our watch. My generation in the 1960s started this stinking mess. Thank God I'm still around to maybe, maybe, maybe in his mercy be part of a solution. But we cannot be bystanders. We cannot be by-watchers. We must be engaged in this struggle in some meaningful way. The Apostle Paul predicted, prophesied the mess we're in today. But mark this. This is Timothy 3, 1 to 5. Mark this. In other words, pay, pay attention here. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. In the 1980s, a new magazine came out in America. It was called Self. It's a little sign, a self. Like, let's all start worshiping ourselves. Let's make ourselves the center of the universe. They'll be lovers themselves, lovers of money, do you think? Seen any of that? Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving. Good Lord. Right now, the political agenda in this country is fueled by hate. Do you understand that? It's not even reasonable. The extremes on both sides are just full of hate. Slanderous. Gosh, do you think people are telling lies about one another? Oh, no, no. Without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, I guess. And here's the key one. Having a form of godliness but denying its power having a form of godliness but denying its power. When you reject the Holy Spirit and you reject the, resist the existence of the enemy, you end up with a form of godliness that has no power. And that's what we're experiencing and seeing today. Now this is interesting. I mean, the Apostle Paul, almost 2,000 years ago, wrote this. You know, it wasn't even a new problem. It wasn't even a new problem for Paul. It was happening then. The problem's not new. Listen to Paul talking to the church in Corinth. And this is where things get interesting. When I came, and you all know this. We, we, we're, we've heard this a thousand times. But let's let it sink in one more time. 
when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom. I didn't talk you into something. As I proclaimed to you the testimony about God, for I resolved, I made a firm decision to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human eloquence and human wisdom and somebody talking you into something, but would rest on the power of God. He had the same problem that we're going to have, that we're experiencing today. Now, here's the backstory that makes this so interesting. This is a letter to Corinth. Where did Paul come from before he went to Corinth? What was the last city that he was in before he came to these guys with this message? Does anybody know? It was Athens. Now, Athens, what's special about Athens? Well, Athens was the New York of that area. It's where all the intellectuals hung out, where you sipped a Starbucks all day and you talked about the latest ism. And you debated, and you intellectualized, and you were sophisticated. <laughs> it's where the good deep thinking was done. And here's the sad thing, let's be honest about Paul, because we always make like a superhero of him, but he had a few personal problems. His biggest personal problem was he had a brain the size of a truck. Brilliant theologian. Wrote two-thirds in the New Testament. The only reason we're sitting here today as Christians is because of Paul. And the only reason we're sitting here bathing in the infinite, ridiculous forgiveness of God is because Paul taught us grace. So he's kind of a big cheese in this whole deal. So Paul, the intellectual, the amazing Pharisee, is coming to a group of people he really gets. He understands Athens. This is like his second nature. Let's talk. Let's debate. Let's have a discussion. I think he just he couldn't wait to get there. Finally, people I can talk to. And that's what he does. He preaches this sermon that some theologians say is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached in the Bible. And he preaches this thing with everything he's got. I mean, he's drawing analogies with their unknown God, and he's doing all this stuff, and he's flying high, and he's intellectualizing with them. And it's absolutely great, except nobody got saved, and there was no church that was left in Athens. It's the only one he ever visited where there was no deposit, no nothing left. He failed in Athens. And then he gets to Corinth, and he says... I'm not coming with a great argument like, like Athens. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to try to talk you into anything. I'm basing this on Jesus alone and on the power of the Holy Spirit. And that church that was founded in Corinth was a Holy Spirit church. It was bathed and birthed in spiritual power. And every single other place he went, he did the same thing, and they were all birthed in Holy Spirit power. 
so that their faith might not rest on how great a speaker Paul is, but on how unbelievably wonderful and powerful the Holy Spirit is. I had a personal experience very much like this when I took a team to northern Russia in 1992. We went up to the Kola Peninsula to the naval base Murmansk where the Soviet submarine fleet is. And the little town that we were uh, focusing on, there was a YWAM team there and we were working with them. The little town that we were working in was, was famous in the area for being the place people came to when they're running from the law or in debt and, and you're in trouble, you go to this place because it's full of criminals. You'll feel at home. <laughs> so we went there and uh, we had our public meetings in the culture palace. There was no culture and it wasn't a palace. It was a community center. And the first night I had this like great sermon, this just killer sermon prepared like Paul did in Athens. And I gave it everything I had, and it just died flat. And when I made an invitation for people to get saved, nobody flinched. And I went home, home, I went back to the base that night and lay in bed, and I repented. And I said, God, that was terrible. That was just awful, just awful. I said, I won't, what do you want me to do? We have to fix this. We had three nights there. What am I going to do tomorrow night? He said, tell them about Jesus and do signs and wonders. Pray for the sick. Move in power. I repented and said, okay, we'll do that. And I got there the next night, and I didn't have a message because I didn't want one. I was afraid to make something up. So I'm sitting there in the front row and going to get up and speak in five minutes and I, I don't have a message. I said, I don't care. We'll just pray for people. And I got up there and this image came to me. It was of God holding the world in his hand. And I said, God holds the world in the palm of his hand. And then this message came. It was great. But it wasn't intellectually great. It was just great introduction to let's pray for the sick. So we started praying for the sick. And there's this blind girl. She's blind in one eye. She was scheduled for surgery. Her, her name was Marina. And uh, it's about 10 years old. Her mother brought her forward. And we prayed for her. Long story short, she was completely healed. And when the people saw this, when the mother told the story to this group of people, the place went nuts. Healing started breaking out all over the room. And then I said, this is the power of God. This is how much God loves you. This is, this is the Holy Spirit. Do you want this? Yes. And I explained the gospel to them, and I didn't oversell it. I didn't want to oversell it. I said, look, if you, if you choose to become a Christian, you'll probably lose your apartment there's a good chance you'll lose your job. You're going to lose a bunch of friends. Some of your family will probably turn on you. Your life is not going to get better. It will get worse. But you will end up knowing God, and when you die, you'll spend eternity with him. Do you want that? How many of you want that? And almost the whole place stood up. I was undone. 
I was like, I did it wrong. I oversold this. Why are they all standing up? Really, like, this is dissonance. This is not anything I've ever seen before in my life. And I was confused. I said, God, what's going on? And I explained it again, even worse. I tried to make Christianity as bad as I could possibly do it without lying. And I said, now, how many of you still want this? Stand up. And they all stand up. They're still standing. I said, God, what's going on? And he said, ask them a question. He said, ask them, how many of them have ever heard this message before in their life? And I said, how many of you have ever heard anything like this told to you before in your life? Out of 250 people, about five hands went up. And all of a sudden, it hit me. This is the real thing. They've never heard anything like this before. And God's doing healings. And I said, OK, everyone that wants to get saved, come forward. So many people came forward. We had to put them on the stage. It was a big performing kind of art stage. So I had them all on the stage, and I was Saying at the front of the stage, like this, getting them saved. Like, we're going to go through the prayer, and this, that, and the other thing. And there was three teenage boys at the very back wall. And they were leaning against the wall like this, and they were ribbing each other. Like, making fun of what I'm doing and ribbing each other. And I got really mad inside of me. I didn't express it, but I got really angry. And the thought running through my head was, I didn't ask you to come up here. I didn't ask you to get saved. You don't want it, you don't like it, that's fine. But you should just go sit down. I'm thinking I'm gonna rebuke them. You know, like this anger, it's not, I'm not usually like this, but it's kind of bugging me. And the Lord spoke into my mind and he said, leave them alone and watch. Just ignore them and watch. And I said, okay. So I led all these people to the Lord, they got saved, and then I said, I want you to know that, what, that this is real to you, that this is not just some little thing that you did, that this is really a, a reality, that God really does love you and he's real and I'm gonna ask his Holy Spirit to come and give you a, a witness that this is all real. Open your hands, close your eyes and get ready to receive. And they did and I said, Holy Spirit, please come and prove that you're real to these people. People started crying, people fell on the floor. The, these, these are Russians, they don't know that they're supposed to do this. Like here, if it happens, it could be a courtesy drop. Like, I know the pastor wants to look powerful, so I'll just fall on the ground. They didn't know that. They, they were like, they were crying and they were weeping and they were shaking and then I look and there's these three guys. Three guys that made me mad. The middle guy starts going like this. And pretty soon he's just vibrating and shaking and convulsing. And the two guys beside him are looking at him and he falls on the ground and he's just, he's being electrocuted by a wonderful God. <laughs> this went on, we're, we, we're now praying for the rest of the people here and, and laying on hands and getting real specific about healings and things. And this kid is getting electrocuted. <laughs> More, Lord. <laughs> He shakes and rattles so much, he can't get up. Now, everyone's left, everyone's left, and there's a caretaker that wants to shut the place down. And he's still like this at the back. And there's two guys are just trying to figure out what to do with him. And I'm just watching this, 
and we're about ready to go. And they pick him up. The two guys pick him up, and they got him like his arms over their shoulder, you know, and they're walking him out. And they take him down, and there, it's about quite a long little pathway that leads down to the road where the bus will come. So they carry him down there and drag him down there, and they're standing there waiting. And the bus pulls, pulled up this way. Bus pulls up. Front doors go open, they dropped him in, <laughs> like he couldn't walk. They just shoved him in and he crashed through the, into the bus and the doors closed and off the bus went in. And I'm just laughing, like this is great, awesome. The next night, third night, same place, 20 of his friends, him and 20 of his teenage friends are sitting there because he had a story to tell. He got saved real big time and they all got saved too. I mean, it's like, God, we need you. We need more of this Holy Spirit power. Talking is cheap. Action is not. We need something powerfully persuasive. So, let's take it from there. That's the problem. This world we live in is the problem. We're going to need a whole lot of Holy Spirit power to overcome their blindness. Right? And where does it come from and how do we get it? What's our part in increasing this? That's my question. Well, Paul recognized the problem, but he also recognized the solution. And here is Paul giving us the solution in the same book to the Corinthians. Thank God to us. He's giving it to us. And here it is in one sentence. Follow the way of love. You know it. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. That's his formula. That's his answer. To a powerless faith, this is what you do. Two things. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And the spiritual gifts he's referring to are the ones he's taught on the chapter before. So it's, it's all the power stuff. In this short sentence, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, is the solution to a religion without power. This is the solution to a religion without power. And it's really pretty simple. Now, here's the question. If spiritual power is the solution, why did he start with follow the way of love? Why, did he, why didn't you say, you know, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, now go do them? Why did he say, follow the way of love first, and then say, desire the spiritual gifts, the power? What do you think? Well, without love, power means nothing, but it's worse than that. Without love, power is very dangerous. Very, very corrupting. And spiritual power is the most corrupting. Ask Satan about spiritual power and how corrupting it is. Power without love is ultimately evil. But love without power is incomplete. Love without power cannot accomplish the desires of love. Love without power brings comfort without change. Follow the way of love. Love is the only way to make power safe. 
And love is the nature of God. God's powerful, but he's powerful because he's so loving. So job one, make love my goal in all things. Make love the test of everything. How, how am I doing in loving people? Mediocre? Could there be more love? God, give me more love. Make love the theme and make power serve love. Love first, power comes second. Love without power leaves love incomplete. Love without power is unable to fulfill the desires of love. Love without power can only bring comfort without change. So that's the safeguard of what we do next. That's the safeguard and the context of what we do next. What we do next is we eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Let's look at this phrase, eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This word, is it up there? Yeah, there we go. All right. Properly, aggressively chase. It comes from the root to hunt. It comes like hunt. Like get out and hunt and go after it and bag it and bring it home. Hunt. Earnestly pursue. Pursue with all haste, chasing after, eagerly desire to overtake and to obtain, to apprehend. You see, this isn't just a little bit of a desire. This is a serious desire. So we want to stimulate our spiritual hunger and do everything we can to spiritual our hunger and one another's hungry, hunger for more of God's power while we follow the way of love. He's saying, increase the desire for the supernatural power of God flowing through your life. It's not a desire that sits passively still and says, okay, I'll do it, God, when you drop it on me. It longs for, it goes after, it hunts. How do we, how do we begin this pursuit? How does it start? Where do we start with increasing our spiritual hunger? Well, it's really cool because Jesus answers this question for us. It's the most wonderful passage on this very issue of more of the Holy Spirit. He tells us exactly how to do it. So I say to you, and you all know this, but we're going to break it down and tear it apart because it's really quite profound. I say to you, ask. Say it out loud with me. Ask. You seek and you will find. Knock, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, you've all heard this a thousand times, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, you give him a snake? Or if he asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion? If you then who are basically quite human and will, you know, evil. If you know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give perfect teeth, a BMW, 
the house in the Hollywood Hills. Huge sums of money. Hair transplant. <laughs> How much more will God give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is Jesus' remedy to the problem. Ask, seek, and knock for more of the Holy Spirit in your life. So we need to know what ask, seek, and knock means. We need to break these words down because this is the key to how the more comes. Well, ask is really simple. Ask simply means use your voice and ask. Just ask. You start with simply asking, God, please, I want more of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come and fill me again. I really want you. I'm asking for you. But you don't stop there. That's not hunting. That's not aggressively going after. That's just a beginning. Seek. The Greek word here means become physically involved in the pursuit. Get active. Take a step. Well, what, what would that mean? What might that mean to become physically involved in seeking after the Holy Spirit. I'm getting super practical here. Let's just do this together. Some ideas. Let's share some ideas. What would it look like to begin a pursuit beyond asking, like you're going to actually go after it, you're going to start looking, what things might you do that move in that direction? Anyone? What might you do? Practical. This is, I'm not trying to trick you into looking bad with the answer. Uh, this is, I've done, it, I, it's so dumbed down, you're afraid to speak. But there's all these simple things we could do that would be a pursuit of the Holy Spirit and learning more about him. That was a hint, by the way. Learning more about him. I just threw you a, a bone. Learning more about him. What might you do? You'd go to the Bible. You'd look up the word Holy Spirit. And you'd find every single reference, and there's lots, in the entire Bible. And you'd go through them one at a time. And by the time you were done, you would understand so much more about him that you would have a better sense of what he does when he's active and how to get after him and, and everything else. So that would be one thing. That's the Bible. What else might you do? Stop it. You're getting ahead of me. Yeah, that's We're going to end up there. Believe me, we're going to end up there. That's the final thing. But what else might you do in the pursuit? The getting after the, uh, get physical, go do something. Practice. What? Hmm? Okay, that's way too practical. <laughs> this is ridiculous. She's suggesting you read the Bible and then do something. No, no, if I did something, something might happen. And if something actually happened, I'd have to change. I like my life the way it is. I want my faith to be theoretical. I don't want it to be practical and real. Stop it, Jen. You're getting under my skin. Eventually. But this is just between you and him at this point. Believe it. You're going to have to try to believe it. Okay? Worship is really good. You get in the presence of God in corporate worship, all sorts of Holy Spirit stuff starts happening. Like creepy stuff, confetti, <laughs> weeping your brains out and wishing you were different. I mean, this horrible stuff. Repentance? Ooh, it's icky. I'm thinking of some more things. Read a book. Go find a really good book in the Holy Spirit. Read about what he's done in other places. Guys, read about Azusa Street. 
Read about William Seymour in Azusa Street, the work of God done through him. Do you know when, when William Seymour ran meetings down there in Azusa Street, he had a, it, it was just, it was just a, it's just a dumpy old place. It wasn't like a proper church, and he just had some crates, some orange crates as his pulpit. And when they started the meeting, they didn't start the meeting. He got down on the ground and he put his head in the bottom crate. And he just prayed for more of God. And he didn't start the meeting till he sensed the presence of the Holy Spirit. And William Bartleman wrote a book. I can't remember the name, but it just rocked my world. And he described those early meetings because he was in them. And he said when the Spirit finally came after William called and called out to God, hungered after God and the Spirit came, he said it was like waves of liquid love. Waves of liquid love crashing over the people. Oh, God, give me more of that. So read about it. Study it in the Bible. Go places where it's happening. Expose yourself to the virus. Take off your spiritual masks. Breathe deeply and get ruined. Get infected. Don't take the vaccine. Just get infected with the Holy Spirit. That's all we really need. Now, now we get down. Now we get down to how to pray. Ready? Somebody said pray. Now I'm going to tell you how Jesus says we're supposed to pray, and you're not going to like it. And you're going to think I'm off base and probably heretical. And you're just going to have to work through the math yourself and study the words yourself to find out that I'm telling you the truth. The word knock. There's asking, then there's seeking. Now this thing gets really weird. Knock here translates into the often neglected verb to be importunate. It's an old English word, to be importunate. Sounds harmless enough until you find out what the word means. Here's what the word means. Harass. Harass someone persistently for or to do something. This is Jesus telling us how to approach him and God and the Holy Spirit for more of the Holy Spirit in our life. Harass me. Harass me to do this thing for you. Now, that's okay, but it gets real ugly because here's the synonyms for importunate. Are you ready? Beg, beseech, entreat, implore, plead with, appeal to, apply to, call on, supplicate, solicit, petition, and join. Harass, pester, pester, beset, press, badger, bother, torment, plague, hound, nag, harry, go on at it, harp on at. Jesus is telling you to get that way with God and the Holy Spirit and him to get more of the Holy Spirit. This is coming from Jesus. It's in the red ink. So it's okay. It's okay. God likes it when you get in his face and say, I can't go on without more of your Holy Spirit. I don't want to do this anymore without your Holy Spirit. I got to have more of you. I must have more of you. Two weeks ago on Sunday, John was, our pastor was preaching. And I was in the first row, and he told Dennis and I, prophetic guy, 
to come up and minister with them in the application time. So I'm all focused on, yeah, I have a job to do. I've got to go up and minister. And I'm standing listening to his message at the end in the application time, and I'm so broken. My hunger for God is just out of control because I don't want to go on like this anymore without more of him. I have to have more of him. I can't stand it. We have people dying of cancer in our church. We can't stand it. We have people dealing with anxiety they can't get free of. I can't stand it. I'm sick of it. And I'm saying to God, you've got to. You've just got to. You've just got to. Come with more power. I have to have this. I don't want to do this anymore unless you're going to do it. And I'm standing there, and my hands start to shake like this. And I look at my hands, and I think, must be cold in here because it was cold. So I'm just shivering, that's all. And then it starts going like this, and I realize, oh, this doesn't have anything to do with cold. That's how I came into the Holy Spirit. 35, 40 years ago was this power encounter where my whole body shook and vibrated and I was just being electrocuted by the Holy Spirit. And there it was starting again in church. I said, Lord, I remember what this was like. This is power. You're starting to answer this. This is great. Please don't let it stop. I said, I don't care what I look like and I don't care how embarrassing it is. I just want more of you. You just got to do this. And I said, can I give this away? Is this just for me, or can I, like, do something with this? And then he called us up to minister. And this girl came up to me, said, I'm going to this church that doesn't believe any of these things, and it's killing me, and I just don't know what to do. They're all my friends, but they don't believe any of these things. I, I don't know what I should do. And I said, just let me pray for you. And I put my hands on her head, and then it just amped out. It was just like... <laughs> And I thought, oh, God, this is really powerful. <laughs> Started prophesying over, and she got wrecked, and then her mother came, and she got wrecked, and then Dennis, who was supposed to be ministering, came, and he got wrecked, and then his wife got wrecked. And I, I, I tell you, I'm so happy. I can't believe it. And all I'm saying to the Lord is, please don't stop this. Please don't let this. I said, please, don't let this be a flash in the pan. Please not a flash in the pan. I, it's cruel if all this is is a flash in the pan. You've got to increase this. This has, has to keep happening. We have to have your power. We can't live without your power. Oh, God. Beg, beseech, entreat, implore, plead with, appeal to, apply to, call, supplicate, harass, pester, beset, press, badger, bother, torment, plague, hound, nag, harry, go on at heart bat. I don't see any other way. Honest, I don't. I know he can act sovereignly to increase our spiritual hunger, and I beg him to do that. But he wants us to nag him. I don't know why. He's not married. <laughs> if he were married, he wouldn't be asking for this. But actually he is. He is married. He's married to us. He's married to his church. And he wants his church to wake up. God gave me a vision a long time ago of his church, and it was, it was uh, Sleeping Beauty. 
Sleeping Beauty was lying in her bed and unconscious. She wouldn't wake up. And the prince came in. And he leaned over and he kissed her and he woke her up with a kiss. I think he'd rather wake her up with a kiss than shaking her. But if she won't wake up with a kiss, he needs to shake her awake. And she needs to be awake. And some of us are getting awake, coming awake, and we're the first fruits. And our job is to pray for everyone else to get awake too and be as awake as we possibly can and get as much of the Holy Spirit as we possibly can and take some risks, Jen, and go out and practice it, like you said. Take some risks. It's okay to look stupid, but it's not okay to look negligent. Jesus is telling us how he wants us to approach him for more of the Holy Spirit. He's calling for a new kind of prayer. And it might mean for many of us, me included, that my prayer should start with asking for this kind of desire. So I, I haven't been desiring like I want to. Maybe you just start with increase my desire. Maybe you're honest and you say, I don't want you that much. I don't feel what this guy's talking about. That's okay. That's the truth. That's called the truth. When we admit it, see, no, I, I don't hunger for you like I want to. I don't hunger for you like some people do. Make me want to want. Help me to want to want. I can start with wanting to want because I admit I don't want. Increase my want. Help me to want to want. Start there. Start with the truth. I'm kind of a bit lukewarm about all this, and frankly, sometimes I'm kind of afraid of this, and it's, some of these stories really spook me out, frankly. But God, you're good, and you're not going to give me a snake, and you're not going to give me a scorpion, and you're not going to give me, you know, somebody was talking, uh, some people were falling down in prayer, in our, uh, when people were praying for them, people were falling down, and we had our small group meeting, and it, I do the 20-somethings, and, and um, Somebody said, well, I don't want to. I don't want to. What's going on? I mean, I, this is weird, people falling over. What, I mean, that can't be God. What's going on? And I said, it's funny that you should ask, because when this became a thing that was happening to us 40 years ago, 30 years ago, um, I watched people falling all over the place, and, and because I was a lawyer at the time and very evidence-driven. So I started interviewing people. I'd go up to strangers and say, by the way, I saw you on the ground, and um, I'm just curious, what was going on? What was the experience like for you? And I just surveyed and, and, and interviewed many, many, many people who'd had that experience. Every single one of them said the same thing. Some peace came over me, and I couldn't stand, and I found myself on the ground. God was loving me, and it was absolutely wonderful. I never had one person say, oh, I wish it hadn't happened. That God, he's tricky. I'll never trust him again. No, that wasn't happening. They were thrilled. There was this girl. She was my, my co-pastor's wife. She's a Southern Belle. This is in Canada. She was an American Southern Belle. Like, in Canada, that's like oil and water. We don't do Southern Bells in Canada. And she had, like, perfect hair, perfect everything. And we went to this meeting when we all got filled with the Holy Spirit, brand new experience. She got so filled with the Holy Spirit, she couldn't walk. And her hair was completely messed up. And her blouse was pulled out in one place. And she had sweat stains all over her. And she was just undone. 
and giggling. I mean, she just couldn't stop giggling. And I'd never seen her like this. I will be as undignified. I will be more undignified. She was a together person, but she wasn't that night. And she was thrilled, and it was the turning point in her life for more of God. So whatever he does to you, it's going to be good. It may be embarrassing, it may be unusual, it may be risking, but it's going to be good because it's his nature. He will never leave you worse than he found you. He will always leave you better than he found you. For some people, the biggest fear is being filled with the Holy Spirit. My biggest fear is not being filled with the Holy Spirit because I'm tired of me. I really mean that. I'm tired of me. I, I want to be more like him. I want to be free of all sorts of stupid thought patterns and nasty critical judgments and all the things I do. My, 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 my sins are inside sins. Okay? The outside's pretty good. The inside has a problem. I want those things to change. And if the price is being embarrassed by his love, I'll be embarrassed by his love. That's okay. Are you with me? Okay. Now let's get ugly. Prepare yourself. No manipulation, okay? No manipulation. There's a difference between facilitation and manipulation. Facilitation is, 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 is helping to organize what God's doing in a way that will be helpful to people. Manipulation is trying to force them to do something they're not ready to do. We don't want any manipulation, but I want facilitation. I want a chance for the Holy Spirit to do something. So I think this whole message here is, is about hunger and desire and, and pursuit. If you want more of that hunger and desire rising up within you, please stand up. And if you're not ready for it, please stay seated. I really mean that. Like, this is an integrity thing. Don't make up something for the sake of making the pastor feel good or looking like you belong. That's, that's ridiculous. But if you want more of the hunger, let's ask for more of the hunger. Let's receive more of the hunger. Do you know that Jesus has a passion for the Holy Spirit? He's, he's passionate about the Holy Spirit. When Jesus walked this earth, he made himself submitted to the power of the Holy Spirit. He came in his humanity and said, I need to be in the Holy Spirit. And the text would often say Jesus was in the Holy Spirit and then he did this or that. If it's good for him, it's good for us. So let's open ourselves and let's just say, God, I want more passion for your Holy Spirit. I want more risk for your Holy Spirit. I want more passion for your Holy Spirit. I'm sorry that, that I've been afraid of your Holy Spirit, but I confess that I am sometimes, but I don't want to be. I just want more of you, God. I want more of your Holy Spirit. So open your hands, and let's, and let's be in a posture of receiving that, that he is going to give you more of himself, and he's going to stir up in you a passion for more of him, a passion for more of him. Holy Spirit, this is your opportunity. We're, we're open and we're waiting and we're desirous. But we know it starts with desire. We know it starts with spiritual hunger. You build on that. But you also light the flame. You light the flame and then you fan the flame. You light the flame and you fan the flame. Light the flame. Holy Spirit, please, come right now. Manifest your presence right now. 
light the flame of desire within us for more of you. Just come, touch my heart, touch my mind, touch my emotions, touch my will, touch my body, but God, don't pass me by. Holy Spirit, don't pass me by. Come and fill me with a desire for more of you. A fearless desire, a hungry desire, a pursuing desire. Holy Spirit, touch me now. Touch me now with a hunger for more of you. I won't be passive. I'll go out and look. I'll, I'll try some things. I'll do whatever you want, but I want more of you. Give me more of you now. Give, now call out to him in your own words, in your own way. Say more. I want more of you, Lord. I need more of you, Lord. I'm dissatisfied with less of you. I need more of you. Call out to him. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Do you know that song? Can we do that? Yeah, just do that. More, Lord. Spirit, you, you are welcome. Come flood this place and fill the hours. You glory, you glory, God, is what our hearts long to be overcome by your presence, If he's, if he's touching you right now, if you sense something going on in your emotions or in your mind, in your body, just welcome it right now. Say more, Lord. Whatever you started, give me more. Whatever you just started in me, give me more of that. And just say, yes, Lord, give me more of that. Go deeper, Lord. Show me more, Lord. We speak to fear. We speak to the spirit of fear right now in the all-powerful authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where there has been a spirit of fear, be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're subject to fear about this subject, just speak to that fear right now and say, you have no part in me. You can't remain. Just, just tell it to leave. Fear be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. unworthiness 
Some of you are suffering from a lie of unworthiness that says, this is for somebody else, but it's not for me. Because I'm not good enough to be loved this way. I'm not good enough to move in spiritual power. And that lie has been playing over and over in your mind for a very long time. It's time that lie died. Now, right now, we take authority over that lie of unworthiness, that condemnation. Not conviction, condemnation. There's a difference. We speak to that spirit of unworthiness and condemnation, and we say right now, get out in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be gone. Take your hands off. Take your hands off her. Take your hands off him right now. And we release that spirit of adoption. Holy Spirit, come and do that amazing work of witnessing that, that, that I am your well-loved child. I'm precious to you, and you love me. Not because I earned it, I didn't. Because you earned it. I didn't pay for it, you paid for it. Now accept his love. Just accept his love. Accept the fact that for whatever reason makes no sense, he's pleased with you. He's pleased with you. You make him happy. Every time you call out to him and turn to him, you make him happy. He says, look, this is great. Look at this. Look at this one. Look how she loves me. Look how she wants me. Look how he cares. This please, you're, he's easy to please, but he's hard to satisfy. He'll always be working in your life for more, but he's even easily pleased with the tiniest little bit of turning towards him. And he's pleased with you right now because you're asking for more of him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. More, Lord. More of your presence, more of your power, more of your love. More of you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we, we, are, we apologize for being afraid of you. Of being afraid of what it might look like or what it might feel like or what it might cost. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me for my fear. Come and fill me anyway. More, Lord. More, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say right now? Now just listen. Listen in your mind. Listen in your emotions. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to each one of us right now? It'll be unique for each person. What do you want to say right now, Holy Spirit? Now listen. He's going to communicate in some way. He's going to communicate with you. Pay attention. What, is, what are you seeing in your mind's eye? What are you feeling in your heart? What are you hearing in your mind? Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to each one of us right now? What do we need to hear from you right now? He's communicating to you in some way, raise your hand. If you're getting something from him, raise your hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Deepen it. Lord, take it deeper. Reinforce it. Say more, Lord. Give them a witness. 
Give him evidence that this is you. Continue it, Lord. Plant it and protect it deeply. What you've communicated to them, don't let the birds of the air come and take it off the path. Don't let the cares of this life or the deceitfulness of wealth or anything take this word, this deposit, this experience that you've started. Don't let it be taken. Protect it, Lord. Protect it, Lord. Let it be sown deep within each one of us. The Lord's speaking now to, to many of us. He's saying, this is just the beginning. It's a new beginning. It's a new installment. It's more, but it's just the beginning. He's saying, I want you to expect more. Don't say that was a nice service and God kind of touched me and that was nice. No, this is the beginning of a new season, of a new phase, of a new level of living with him, a new depth of experience of his goodness and his love and his power. This is just the beginning, he says. I want you to treat it that way. Expect better and more. Expect better and more. He says, expect opportunities to minister in power. I'm going to take your words, I'm going to take your gestures, and I'm going to take your physical touch, and I'm going to impart my power and my presence in it when you speak. Expect there to be power in what you do, because I'm going to do it. And you're going to see a new level of my power moving through you beyond anything you ever imagined. And it's going to grow. And all I want you to do is keep on obeying me. When I tell you to do something, or you're not sure, but you think I'm telling you to do something, go and do it. Because I'm going to be in that gesture. I'm going to be in that word. I'm going to be in that smile. I'm going to be in that touch. And I'm going to minister through you in ways you never imagined. Expect it. And I just heard him say, you're not too old. Now, for some of you, that means nothing. For some of us, that means everything. You're not too old. You're not too old to move in my power. And there's no such thing as being too young or too inexperienced. He says, I don't care about age. I don't care about education. I don't care about any of those things. I don't care about money. I don't care about all that stuff. I just want your heart, and I just want you to say yes. Give me your heart as much as you can and just say yes and take some risks because I'm going to do things that's going to make you absolutely thrilled. You're going to experience a new level of my anointing that you never knew was possible. And it starts now. So go out and do it. Don't back down. And don't listen to the lies of the enemy. The Lord says he's going to try to come before you leave the parking lot. He's going to try and come and take away from you the truths and the touch that I've imparted in you. You know he's going to try that. He's going to say, oh, that was just psychological. Oh, you were just being, your emotions were just being titillated a little bit. That's not going to last. He's going to try all these tricks and all these lies. And every time you say, no, uh-uh, I was warned you'd try this. I don't buy it. Get out of the car. You're not coming home with me. Get out of the car. And if you've got to pull over and open the door and say, get out of the car, you say, get out of the car, because I'm not putting up with this, because God gave me something today that's precious. I'm going to protect it, and I'm going to move in it. I'm going to act in it. 
And from now on, you don't take no for an answer. You're going after things. You're going to become the people from the importunate church. The first church of the importunate personality. Gosh, those people are insistent with God. How dare they treat him with, with such disrespect? Well, he's the one that said to do it. He's the way. I'm not doing this because I like it. I'm doing this because he said we're allowed to. I'm a Canadian. We don't get impolite. We don't do harass, beg, or bother. We're the most polite, annoying people on earth. <laughs> Got to be God. Overcome your cultural distinctives. Got to be God. Okay? We're done. That was fun.